Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design 2019, Episode 1. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Yahav Ron, who's a fashion designer and also a graduate from RMIT University in Fashion. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Look, I think you're an interesting one because uh, you, you trained at RMIT um, and then you went to Antwerp, which is probably my favourite place in the world. One of in, mine too. <laughs> and, one of, and some of the most exciting fashion designers are there. Um, really extraordinary. Mm. Mm. Um, the Antwerp Six and... Um, and beyond. <laughs> and beyond. And you spent a year with AF uh, van der Voorst. Correct, I did, yes. Why Antwerp? Why this couple, Anne and Philip? Well, so I like... I mean, I've loved fashion since I was about 11, and I knew uh, at age 13 that I was going to be in fashion in some way, shape, or form. Parents involved in fashion? Uh, No, just, you know, I was doing a newspaper round, and I walked into the news agency, and my eye floated to, or really daggered to Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. Who knows why these things happen, and I started collecting uh, fashion magazines and going to... Um, Crown Casino at the time where, you know, you had Armani, Prada, Gucci, Versace, and I'd collect the catalogues and touch pieces and look at the insides of garments and whatnot. And then when I was, as I said, 13, I was taken to Paris for my birthday by my grandparents, and that was like, you know, overload of Avenue Montaigne and Rue Saint-Honoré and all the rest. So when I came back, I started sketching and really just continued ravaging my fashion appetite. Anyone in Paris in particular, or was it just the whole No, experience? no, it was just the whole experience. Yeah, I mean, actually, I remember quite uh, distinctly the um, windows of the Lacroix boutique, uh, which is like on the Faubourg Saint-Honoré, or was anyway, I'm not sure. I don't think it would be there anymore. I think but, he went out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'd heard, I'd watched... Abfab and yeah. I'd obviously, you know, Vogue, Madonna. So these names kind of are in the brain. And then I was like, oh, La Croix, sweetie. Yeah. Um, and then when I came back, as I said, I started really... I did a couple of night courses at Box Hill TAFE. I was in like year 9 and 10. And then I applied and got into RMIT as a as a design student. What, what... I mean, Antwerp is really an extraordinary place. Oh yeah, that's hang on. That's what you asked yes. me. I completely no, <laughs> no. It's easy to go to um, Paris, but yeah. Antwerp is actually more edgy in some ways. Absolutely. Than Paris. So, so in my discovery of just like fashion and the history of fashion and the different groups of designers and so on and so forth, I'm uh, you know obviously discovered the Belgian groups and the Japanese groups, and I uh, gravitated to that style. Uh, more so than, I guess, you know, evening gowns and New York and so on. However, I um, do like the rest of kind of what, like, Italian sexiness and whatever. So in my own mind, it all kind of comes together. But there is always that, uh, I guess, asymmetry, a little bit of austerity and uh, And imbalance. A little bit deconstructed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Raw edges and, you know, tapes as finish and exactly... So and I guess I guess when I was thinking about um, well when I was at RMIT in my third year I did an exchange to Amsterdam and obviously Holland and and Belgium are very connected and culturally and whatnot and 
So we went to Antwerp, and I'd actually been before, but the, the main kind of visit to Antwerp was for the designer stock sales. And I bought a lot of my fabrics from Amdi Meester and AF Vandervorst and so on. Um, and so I was like, I really love this city. I was actually seeing a Belgian guy at the time. So, so you almost... You know, <laughs> it was all... It all came together. So, um, yeah, have you almost buying for what you were had in your mind to set up here in terms not of fabrics? A, no, you know what? Not at that point. At that point, it was literally buying it for my collection that I was going to do f- to for my uh, project in Amsterdam. But when I came back to RMIT to finish my final year... Um, I, I guess, made a decision quite early on that I did want to uh, do an internship in Antwerp. And that was twofold, so I could visit my partner and also because it was, you know, my favourite fashion city, I suppose. And I don't know Japanese, so I probably wouldn't have done very well in Tokyo, mm. as wonderful as that would have been. Um, I'm actually visiting Tokyo later in the year for the first time, which is exciting. But uh, Antwerp just made sense, and I... I guess I wrote down the list of all the Belgian designers that I knew or that that existed, you know, that were working at the time. And AF was interesting because I uh, guess I discovered them as they were kind of starting in 1998, was I think their first collection. And obviously my love of fashion started around that point as well, 99. And so I felt like I'd kind of followed their career as it were, and then when they accepted my application, you know, over Skype to to intern with them, um, I was like, yeah, this is kind of meant to be, as it were. Mm. So I spent, uh, it was 10 months with them, and at the same time I was also in volunteering at the Fashion Museum at the Marmur. The best museum was, in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Abs- I mean, it's, it was incredible. So, and But as you know, like, you, find, you have all these kind of big... Um, images in your head and then you go to these places and they're just they're just real and you go you know there's Cart de Beau and there's Walter van Berendonck in the lift because obviously he's the head of the school and there I was you know reorganizing the media file of of the Maison Martin Margiela because that was the big exhibition that had been on just before I arrived yeah. and then I actually ended up working on an exhibition as an like intern assistant curator um, for black in fashion, which was uh, 2009. So you, or 2010, the actual exhibition um, was on. You, Paris 99, given that you spent time in Antwerp, why isn't it called Antwerp 99, your business? Well, because Paris 99... The year 1999 was when I was taken to Paris for my birthday, so that was oh, I the... That was, I usually tell this story at the salon, so this is like... Now so, you, so people heard. don't know, you, you came back and you started your own... Uh, label Paris ninety nine. Well, yes, it's it's an unusual proposition because unlike a retail outlet or supplying wholesale, you know, as a wholesaler, you decided to set up a very French style salon to sell yes. your own designs, right? And so, also mix it with vintage, right? Yes, essentially. So I came back and I was working at um, Cosé Panima actually. And I'd been friendly with the family for a long time, having gone into the city every few weeks and looked at gorgeous clothes of which they had the best. Um, and so when I came back and I had kind of three months of, uh, shall we, let's say, making accessories out of uh, 
uh, scrap fabric that was f around my house and, and so on. After about doing three months of that and needing to uh, earn a living, I went to visit Sam and Sam, you know, took me on. Sam as a, Hussein. Sam Hussein, yes, as a, as a retail assistant. Um, and basically I was at Cosay for about a year. But in the meantime, I was kind of, I guess, doing the the foundation of my soon of my to be salon um but it all kind of started funny so i had a i'd bought a couple of uh pieces um i don't even remember where i got them from but i because i from obviously store or? not from cause i know but i was i you know i'm as as yeah. you probably do yourself we just collect things and yeah. we find things that we probably don't have use for, but we buy them anyway because they're beautiful and inspirational and whatever. Um, and so I'd bought... Uh, it was just... Actually, this one was a Stella McCartney um, kind of a... Oh, I don't know what colour exactly. like Kind of like a bird's nest brown, if you will. And it was a very fitted tweed, and then it had like a corseted... Like a boned kind of soft corset, as it were. And I was like, that's beautiful, I'll buy that, and I appreciated that. And then a friend of mine came over, and she tried that on, because um, she was starting a job. She was like, oh, I really like this. So I said, oh, well, if you'd like to buy it, this is how much it is. And then slowly, like, I kept building up my collection, and mostly from friends and contacts I'd made in Antwerp, and, you know, having chatted to people and you know, visited some of the, the I guess, the vintage stores I have there. Fantastic but, vintage stores. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's you have to... I guess most of what I did was talk to, like, approach people who had interesting clothes on and say, oh, I really like your clothes. And then became friendly and basically after this um, situation with my friend, there was another situation with a Comme de Garçon dress, actually, that I did purchase from Cosé about 10 years previously. And that sat in the back of my mum's wardrobe for all that time. And then another friend came over and I showed her that and she bought that. And so, that was great. So and that you... made me think, oh, there's a lot of... If, I'm, if I've picked up these things that... Um, these beautiful pieces of clothing that are not being used, you know, and I'm... My, me, like, male and, and whatever... Um, all these interesting people that I'd met in Europe who purchase beautiful designer clothes often and wear them and then don't need to wear them again, I was like, oh, maybe I'll see if I can purchase some of the things that they no longer need. And I slowly built up a rack and then there were suddenly two racks and then three racks and after a while... And then you started to mix it with your own work. Yes, so after a while I would kind of was like, oh, I think I have an itch to design again. Because um, I didn't really design during that kind of year and a half or so of setup. Um, who knows why? I just, I guess my mind was elsewhere. But once I, so I moved into my uh, first, I guess, non-parents living room space, you know. <laughs> we all have beginnings. Um, and that was a gorgeous, uh, I think it's probably deco, like, it looks like, you know, Roman columns and whatever. It was actually a bank building, an old bank building. And upstairs was the manager's apartment when bank managers used to live above the bank. Um, and I moved into that location in 2011. And once I'd kind of got into a rhythm uh, of having visitors come over and play dress-ups with 
beautiful designer clothes, I was like, oh, I think I might whip up some of my own things. In fact, um, and and did you actually have when you were designing Yahab? Were you thinking, well, this jacket by Chloe or by a Belgian designer, it needed something to sell it as a as a as a combination? That, no, 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 it wasn't. Thought... It wasn't that at all. No, and it's well, actually, hang on. There's two. I do lots of things, so we can have seven different conversations at once. So there are those pieces that come ready to go, and often I will say to people, oh, come and visit my salon. It's all high-end international designer pieces from all over the world. So in 2012, I went to America and made some contacts there. So now there's kind of something for everyone, for every style at the salon. It's not like... Or only Belgian and Japanese, or only this, or only that. It's you can come in for a T-shirt or an evening gown from, you know, Oscar de la Renta to uh, Givenchy to uh, Tim van Steenbergen, as as we spoke about, not in the interview. Um, but so that's one side. That's one side. Second is my own original work, and third, I suppose, is what happens if something arrives from in from overseas, and it is, I guess, I'm not happy with the way it looks to sell it immediately, I do what I call Yahavron reconstructions. Of a designer garment. Yeah. So I I cut it up, I add my own things, or I just, you know, completely cut it into pieces and reassemble it, you know, with my Yahavron touch, as it were. And so that's quite interesting because, you know, as a designer, it's really wonderful to get to... um, handle and intimately these beautiful pieces from the world's top designers. So if you walk in yeah. and you pick up, say, a um, Tim Van Steenbergen yes. uh, piece that originally was Tim Van Steenbergen, yes. who's an Antwerp-based designer, yes. do you immediately recognise... You wouldn't recognise it's his work? If it If it was a piece that came and it was damaged and I'd reworked it, then no. But I would tell you this started as a Tim Van Steenbergen so on and so forth. If the piece arrives and it's ready to go, then yes, you would like the labels on it and everything. Although I do have a kind of a... So either I, with my own work, either I initial YR into the back or anywhere on the garment, or I, and it's all arbitrary, whether I choose to initial it or not. So some of my work that floats around Melbourne and Sydney and wherever people have come and bought it um, is often unlabeled at all but you know they'll never forget what it is because they bought it from me in the space often you know we've had a couple of glasses of champagne and we've told stories about and, all kinds of things and so there's really that real intimacy and connection which i think is important um yeah yeah who would you say you you most like most closely align yourself to if there was an overseas designer where both the originals come in and, and your work tends to be very oh. sympathetic. Is there any one or two designers that you feel close to or you feel they have a very similar voice to you? Um, I think not, not one specifically, I suppose, but as we spoke about that the group of... Belgian and Japanese and the approach to, you know, perfection and imperfection and... Wabi-sabi. Like, wabi-sabi and, and, you know, Western cultural dressing versus Eastern 
like and that hole into the space between um that's what i uh feel connected to but i wouldn't i mean like someone walked in and said oh is that yours or is that a vivian westwood and i was like well that's not a vivian westwood that's very flattering and conversely there is a vivian westwood dress that i have that people have thought is mine so that is also flattering but it's not like i don't think of anyone as i'm working to kind of emulate as it were it just how do you you start a process is it working on a mannequin and you drape things or you Mm -hmm. Um, what's the process well it's generally a bolt of fabric or a length of fabric you know and myself and the floor and a pair of scissors so i'll put like essentially a, a, a rectangle or a square of fabric and meterage on the ground and then I will just basically cut into it, take that piece, hang it on the mannequin and see what emerges. Where it goes. Where it goes. And it's literally... And then you keep going back and forth. So I guess it's drape, but it's very non-classical drape because I will admit openly on this recorded <laughs> session that my I'm not an amazing pattern cutter so you know I guess I did you I, fail pattern cutting 101 no no I never failed anything I was very good <laughs> but like it was uh it wasn't my mind didn't kind of go into that mathematical uh thinking so and also I'm not an amazing um illustrator either so I guess you know you find your way of um Bringing things to life so from the through, flat fabric. You live through your eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's a and good. And you can way and you can see things that aren't quite right, and you make adjustments accordingly. Exactly, and also it helps. So a lot of most of my work is actually you can wear it in three or four or five different ways. And men and women. Exactly. So it, it's all kind of dependent on. So often, how do I? St- I I guess as like the Jap- If you look at the Japanese and the Belgians, there is an evolution. And you can kind of see a really slow uh, forward motion as somebody goes through a, an exploration of a particular, um, I guess, technique or or design feature and then how you take that from garment category to garment category. And then let's say, so in my case, I uh, used to do, I started with completely raw edges and then I added like a very thin uh, or very... Um, uh, what's I'm f- losing my word, but like a, a a small stitch, maybe two or three millimeters from the edge, and then I started to uh, edge or oh, hems with a centimeter wide, you know, cotton grow grain tape essentially, and then I started to do edges or see or areas that you could consider to be a seam with a thicker uh, tape that then I would thread a thinner tape through so that and anchor that so that you can actually start to pull and create, you know, gathering and different volumes and whatever. And, uh, and that just, you know, slowly you go, oh, what if I do this? And, oh, that's different. We, you know? we were talking before we sat down about um, the idea of a salon, which is quite a unique... Well, it's very... In a sense, it's very Parisian. It's quite... Um, well, it's very old school. It's old think school. It. It's, it's, not really this not... Fa- it's not this fast fashion and mm-hmm. quick, 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 mm. um, you know, lookbooks here and there. It's it's kind of returning to a very lovely time in fashion when people actually had a, had a conversation yes. and you actually had an experience going into a boutique. Yes. And we you... don't have that now. Not very really. Rare. Yeah. It's... Or, or you don't have the isolation of the internet, for example, where... 
you can scroll through thousands of you know images that you can turn around and sometimes you can do a 3d go around the model but i'm my i mean to me essentially clothes are made of fabric fabric is tactile if you don't touch it you don't you don't know you know when you touch something you know immediately a hundred things that you wouldn't know if you didn't touch it and and so it's really important to be face to face with someone like me who's you know completely obsessed by fashion and you know i will i'm not selling somebody anything what i do is i i call it kind of connecting interesting people to interesting clothes and there's no need to worry if you think, oh, that doesn't... Well, is he going to tell me it looks good when it doesn't? Because no way, because that's bad for everyone. You know, that I would be lying to you and I don't want to do that. And I don't want you to go out and look a fool. So, like, what good does that do for anyone? So, and, you know... And who are your clients? Who would be... Ah, well... <laughs> oh, you don't mention names. No, 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 no. Well, actually then, really, um, I'll give an example. So I was introduced to... A, a woman who then brought her uh, gra- her daughter and then brought her other daughter and then brought her mother. And then, so you think about it, it's like three generations of, of this particular family. family. And, like, you know, from... I think I had somebody who wanted... who, who their mum brought because she needed a dress for her year 10 formal... And then there's someone who's, you know, in their, their kind of late 70s. So it's really, really anyone. It's just whether we... It's not even whether we click, because you don't know if you're going to click with someone the first time you meet, you know. I mean, you do quite quickly, and often if we click, that's wonderful. And if we don't, then it doesn't work, and that's fine. There's no And no it's, harm. so it's generally, yeah, by word of mouth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Je- like 90% of the time. Yeah. And that's also, I think, you know, I've called it um, previously um, Melbourne's best kept fashion secret or something, but it's no longer that secret. So, you know. So people have caught on. Yeah. But it's, it is still very much like, I guess there's that, um, oh, how do you put it? Like, it's, let's say you make an appointment to go to the hairdresser or to the doctor. It's quite a, um, it's a bit more of a simple thing to do than to actually make an appointment to come and look at clothes. So I guess once we break that uh, barrier and people kind of, yeah, exactly. Cause a lot of people go, Oh, I thought it was going to be really like, you only have evening gowns and yeah. wedding dress. I'm like, no, like come and have a, a gin and tonic and you know, you some, sound like you have lunch. Yeah, exactly. And generally I cook as well. So, <laughs> you I think know. it's a great, because, uh, look, I think retail needs someone like you to put the excitement back into it again and Thank really you. create a very... Um, it's a personal approach. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, where I think things are going. You know, I remember going to the um, Melbourne Fashion Festival business seminar. Now, I can't remember his name, but he was he had just stopped being like the creative director which is such a that wasn't even what he did it was too like that's belittling this man and what he did but for Hermes that Hermes group and he was talking about exactly that that was in 2005 so and I'm, I was in so I'm um yeah correct me if I'm wrong I'm 13 or 14 years ahead of my time is that right is that what you're about to say he was saying the I same wasn't, thing. I wasn't going to say that. You did. Thank you. <laughs> but he but, was um, saying the yes, same thing. Yes, he was thing. saying there's, there's, going, there's going to be a return to 
really local, really personal, hands, like, whether it's handmade or even hand-presented, as it were, because people are looking for that contact again and connection and, and a, a personal and it is, it is also the stories behind each garment. The fact that, you know, you know this is uh, Vivian Westwood, it's come from London or was bought in Belgium, it's yes. come all the way that to was Australia. from Paris, actually. Or yeah. from Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it gives you that, that pedigree. Exactly. See, I, um, you know, there are a lot of people who, who uh, you can buy second-hand designer clothes at many places in the world, and it's really good, like it should be, I think. And it's very sustainable. Exactly. You know, we haven't, we didn't touch on that. There's the whole environmental and... You know, reusing of, of things that exist, and which means you actually aren't you create Creating less demand for new exactly. Um, but I guess I haven't so far met anyone else that has done it in the way that I do, and I and maybe that's because it is it's quite intensive, you know, and you spend a lot. It, it is really the clothing, the buying of the clothing becomes almost secondary to the social gathering, you know, um, even like, you know, we, I know back to my clients kind of backstories and about their children and weddings and who and their kids and all of that. Yeah. And so it's much deeper than just going to buy yeah. clothes, you and know, also which I think is good. So much nicer rather than, you know, walking to a store and, you know, people say, can I help you? Um, there's that sense of um, I never say that good look thank you so much uh, Yaha for coming onto the program Um, I've really enjoyed it and um, and for those who want to know more about it it's Paris 99 based in Turak and uh, look look Yaha up I think it's an experience and um, it's been just a joy having you on Thank you again. This has been Talking Design 2019, recorded at RMIT University. Thanks so much for listening.